the Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome in everybody, this is your host Christopher Rennie bringing you another episode of the Buck Off Podcast with Land Grant Holy Land. As always, I am joined by Jordan Williams. How are you doing today, Jordan? You know, I'm alright. I'm not great though because I, I was almost at Batman right now and then I remember that we recorded, so I could be better. I, I'm seeing it tomorrow. I... I I am, I am too. I really wanted to see an opening like night in a lot of the theaters, but I was like, oh, yeah, Thursdays. That's bug off time. So I'm seeing it tomorrow <laughs> so, right when I get out of work. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I'm excited. I think Robert Pattinson is going to do a great job. Every preview I've seen has looked really good. So I, I honestly was not excited for him to be Batman, but then I started seeing some previews, and it's like I was just – it was hard because I would just remember him in Twilight. Yeah. And not that that was like a bad movie or that he's a bad actor. It's just like from Twilight to Batman is like, you know, far. Yeah. And I think Christian Bale did a good job. And I think the other guy was average. So, yeah, I think what do you uh, what is his name? Ben Affleck. I think yeah. Ben Affleck was average. So it was just like it was a mix of like, this is the guy that was in Twilight and we don't need a third Batman in 10 years. And like, I just but like, I don't know. Once I saw some clips and some things, I was like, no, I think he's actually the thing that uh, the thing that I'm most worried about, though, is. Bruce Wayne like I think he could be a good Batman but is he going to be a good Bruce Wayne and I think Christian Bale played the best Bruce Wayne I did not like Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne at all yeah I don't think Ben Affleck played Bruce Wayne honestly I think he was just Ben Affleck and then he played Batman he was also Batman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's going to be the I, interesting I think, thing. I think Michael Keaton played a really good Bruce Wayne. I, I think it's fun because every Bruce Wayne's been different. We've had Ben Affleck's. We've had Christian Bale's. Uh, I, I think he's younger. So, like, they're making him younger. We're, we've usually seen him, like, later in his life a little bit, kind of already yeah. being Batman. Or, like, Christian Bale's Batman kind of started being Batman later. Um I, I'm just excited. You know, everyone's like, so this is a thing. Like, you can make a Spider-Man movie, you can make a Batman movie, and I'm going to be in a seat in the theater. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. I'm going to go see it. It doesn't matter who's acting. It doesn't matter if it's an old Batman, a new Batman. It doesn't matter if it's cartoon Batman. I'm going to watch the movie. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. And this may be annoying, and it's fine. I'm going to complain about it. But I am going to go watch it. Yeah. Like, I'm going to complain about Spider-Man because we don't need that many Spider-Man, especially if you're not going to give us miles. I'm going to complain about Batman because literally this is the third. Like, this is not just the third Batman of our lifetime. Yeah, this is the third Batman, Batman that we're decade. like old enough to remember, like literally like of a decade. And that's just way too frequent for me. So I'm going to complain about it, but I am going to be there. So. That's the fourth Batman that's started a franchise since we've been alive because George Clooney also had a Batman movie. In the time where we were on this earth, yeah, because George Clooney's Batman was the one with the he's his he's Batman's the only one that he's the his Batman's the only I don't I don't get that joke. Uh, his two had like defined nibbles on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, his Batman tragic. is the one. His Batman's the one with the Riddler, right? The only one that does the Riddler in the movies. Yeah, without pretty the sure it's Jim Carrey. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, Clooney or whatever, right? Yeah. Because I remember watching that on VHS. So yeah, this is the f- yeah, that's ridiculous. I'm t- I turned 27 this month. We don't need four different Batmans in 27 years on top of like the literal millions of like Batmans that are cartoons. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's like one thing we've all like that was talked about a lot was like how we've we all know Batman's story. His parents died. If they show his parents yeah. dying in this movie, I'm leaving the theater. That's what I said. <laughs> the one thing I will say though, like if we're talking Batman, the cartoon the adult cart the adult cartoon Batmans are amazing. Yeah. Uh like the killing joke, fire. Um uh, what's the Halloween one? Uh, what is it? It's not called Halloween. It's new. It just came out. There's two of them. My fiance would know because she likes them. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Did you see that one? I had not it seen it last year. Oh, if you have, if you have, oh, you have to see. Have you seen the Killing Joke? Yes, I've seen the Killing Joke. That was a good one. Okay. Uh, you, so you, but you did not see the two parter. Nope. Um, I I got them all. I got HBO Max. So I've got all the all those cartoon Batman movies. Oh, it is. It does have Halloween in it. It's called the long the long Halloween. Oh, there's shit. a part one and a part two. It's really good. I love the adult Batman's where like people are dying and like you actually like get some of, like of the adult jokes and like that kind of stuff. Uh, the one, but I like the actual adult ones, not the ones that are for kids. And then they just have adult jokes. Like, they're actually adult yeah. Batman movies. And then the... Um, I don't even think Batman's in that one. But, like, the the adult cartoon, the Harley Quinn cartoon, that's definitely for adults. That one's... Did you see that? I have not watched that. Nope. Oh, man. That is that is one of the funniest shows, like, out. You have to watch that one. Yeah, I'll check that one out. I, that one's definitely for adults. They show blood and everything. Yeah, they, they do a good job with those. And I, I think... Uh, that's like kind of the thing. Like Marvel definitely has owned like the blockbuster movies, but I think like DC just had a steady history of just making really solid content that wasn't in theaters. Yeah, they're good with the TV shows. Yeah. Even their like, even their CW TV shows are good. Yeah, they're just not. They don't make good movies. Outside of Batman, they just have not figured out the big screen. I know there's a lot of people who liked Man of Steel. I'm just not a big fan of Superman. Like. Just, Man of Steel was trash. Yeah, it was. I, I, Batman vs Superman was trash. They, they I didn't see Justice League because the first two, like, I just did not like trash. what they were doing. I didn't watch Aquaman. I didn't watch any of those DC movies. So this is gonna be the first DC movie I've seen in theater since Batman vs Superman. Aquaman was decent. Wonder Woman also decent. Both of those were decent, but Wonder Woman, like, so I have a thing that like. DC does this more than most. I don't like when they make women superheroes and then men like not that men are the muse or whatever, because every male superhero, they always put romance in it when men are the catalyst to their powers. Yeah. Like, 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 like and like the men, like, like uh, Mary Jane and all of them are not the catalyst to Spider-Man's powers. He figures out his powers on his own and then they'd become a part of the plot of their relationship and him having to save them and yeah. stuff like that. Man, that was my biggest thing with the Wonder Woman. I feel like it was too much about her love interest and not enough about Wonder Woman being cool. And, like, Wonder Woman is, like, genuinely cool. So I didn't really care for that. I also don't think they talk... Like, they bring in 
where she's originally from, which I think is really cool because you don't always get That's her like backstory. That's like the coolest part of her story is her and backstory. I yeah, and, I, and I don't think they focus on that enough either, but it was decent. Wonder Woman was decent. Aquaman was decent. The rest of them, in my opinion, garbage. Just straight trash. Like, throw them away. They're not worth watching. They're not worth rewatching. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, if this Batman movie's really good, the director's already said, hey, we're not going to expand it with other superheroes. We're just going to expand the Batverse. So, I, I'm excited about that, but it's probably I'm fine better, with honestly. That. Yeah, I'm fine with that, because we don't have a live-action Robin we don't. Like a real one. Not a good they one. They hinted at it. They hinted at it at uh first of all, if they do bring in Robin, I don't know if he's I don't know if he's too old now. But Joseph but Gordon, the guy, yeah, he'd yes. be good. But he's he's too old. Yeah. Because he was and because Christian Bale's Batman was older. Like yeah. he was old enough for Joseph Gordon Levitt to make sense. He would have been perfect if they would have continued with Christian Bale. But this yeah. guy with with how young Patterson sure is, he's probably going to be a teenager. So, yeah. yeah, that's not gonna work. Um He'd so be like, we don't have a lot Yeah. Yeah. We don't have a live action Robin, which is eh, whatever, but we don't have a live action bat family in general. And so they wanted to a, go that it's a well, huge world, so there's plenty yeah. of space for it. I think if they went that route it would be worth it. But if they go like the Raz Al Ghul, like Joker route again, it's just like yeah. I, how many times have like everyone's needed a Joker? Obviously, if they somehow connect this and like end Robert Robert Pattinson's time with him like fighting, uh, what's his name, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, I think we could I could live with that. But that's yeah. the thing they didn't really make like. You know, the Joker's always been kind of cartoony, and, like, even Heath Ledger's Joaquin. Joker played into that. Joaquin's Phoenix, like, felt really, like, way too human-like to fit into, like, the Batman mythos, you know? I, I agree. I don't know how he would, like, how he would spiral from that to, like, you know, it would, they would have, it'd be a huge jump. Yeah. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix uh, Joker was cool. I like it. I actually really like that movie. Um I don't think he would like you said. I don't think he really fits in like the bat verse though. But essentially, I think we to get this kind of to sports, we retire jerseys. We just need to retire the Joker at least for like fifteen twenty years because there will never be a better Joker than Heath Ledger. That's true. And like, I agree we need to like we need to like have distance. I still remember Heath Ledger's Joker. I still like I, I'm still gonna like go watch that movie all the time. You can't do another Joker because his was too good and I know that may be unfair but Batman also has enough villains that like it could be fine. Yeah and even though like and like they already tried it with uh God what's his name he was in that first Suicide Squad movie it was, his name was so bad it was so bad was so and bad. apparently there's like two hours of extra footage of Joker stuff and they said they like oh but they had to cut out plans but like if you had such well good they had plan- to cut it out they cut it out because he was bad like genuinely they did it and he was so bad they cut it out and I remember watching the movie like this is choppy it and then so I weird. found out what happened and then he like he tried to do the whole like getting into the Joker thing and like I remember them saying like he was like putting dead animals and like trailers and stuff like trying to go crazy for Joker it's weird um, he was just a bad actor and so they cut it out and you could literally tell when you watch the movie this scene was supposed to be longer this scene was supposed to be longer but like they couldn't cut him out the movie entirely but they couldn't have his parts in the movie yeah it's 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 definitely it was so weird. That movie sucked. And that's why they rebooted it immediately and they tried it again. 
Yeah. The Harley Quinn movie. I, I don't know if that's done by the same DC people, though. But the Birds, Birds of, of Prey. Prey. Yeah. Both of those are good, though. There's yeah. the only one. There's one Birds of There's a second one coming out. Uh, and then there was yeah, Suicide Squad, the good. reboot. The James that, Gunn version. That was, yeah. that was decent. And then I don't they like made the villain, Peacemaker. Though. Yeah. Oh, I did, I, I, like, what was it? Starro? Yeah, and yeah, I understand that that's a real. I understand that that's a real villain. Like it is in the comics, but like you it know makes how sense like they in the probably, cartoons. <laughs> yeah, you you know how they probably don't do a whole lot with Poison Ivy, even even though how good CGI is, they probably just don't want to do a whole lot of Poison Ivy. Ivy CG, um, what did I say? Yeah, I CGI. CGI, not yeah. R. Yeah. They probably just don't want to spend a whole lot of time on CGI with Poison Ivy. They should have made that same exact decision with Starro. Because it just didn't work. It worked perfectly in cartoons. It did not work live action. Yeah, it's a weird. tough one. It's a tough it's it's just like anytime you kind of go with any of those like galactic type villains, it just usually does not play well on yeah, the movie and I, screen. And it's not like the fault I, of the villain, because they're still good villains. Right. It just doesn't look good. Right, and I do respect them doing something different, though. Like, I respect them, you know, doing something we hadn't seen in live action. I just think that was the wrong one. Yeah, it's tough. It's just, like, yeah, it was, it was, it deserves, uh, it deserves respect for the effort. Yeah. You know who they should bring into, um, you know who they should bring into Robert Pattinson? They should just they should just go all the way out depressing life story. They should actually they should make Robert Pattinson like it's a part of the Arrowverse. They should bring in Deadshot, but the guy that I was really going to say is the 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 main villain in Arrowverse, and I can't think of his name right now. Um, did you watch Arrow? I did not watch Arrow. Oh, man. Um, okay. He's a guy. He fights. Always angry. He's on an island. Maybe he has a robotic arm. Maybe he doesn't. What is his name? Jesus Christ, I cannot think of his name. But he's like one of the main villains in Arrow. But I'm pretty sure he's also in Batman. Um, this is very bad podcasting because now I really have to pull this up. Um, yeah, I never got into Arrow. I, the CW shows, I, it's just not. They did not. Not like they were bad. They just did not appeal to me. That's wild. I love those shows. They're actually like very good. Slade Wilson. Slade oh, Wilson. Oh, yeah, Slade, yep. He's in Teen Titans and all that stuff. Yeah, is Slade actually in Batman, though? Or is he just Batman adjacent? Um, I'm pretty sure I, like there's a lot of crossover with DC villains, so I think he's actually in it. But Batman's like major foe is more uh, Deadshot than Slade. Which, and yeah, I, well, and that's see- where it confuses me, because I'm pretty sure they're the same character, but different. They're not, but they're very. It almost feels like it almost feels like one is Marvel and one is DC, but like they have the same yes. character that's slightly different. But like, like Slade doesn't really use guns. He's that's more, right. he's like, more the, like Batman, he's where it's more, martial yeah. arts and gadgets and right. Yeah, he's more, which is why he should really be his villain. He's more of like on the Ra's al Ghul, like that side, like swords fighting, you know that style. Yeah. Like they could bring in um, Tanya. Literally, just put the Arrowverse and Gotham. Bring out those villains. Yeah, I mean, there's so many and villains. Make it, like, and make it very what, depressing. Yeah, like, very like, depressing. You don't need to regurgitate villains. Like, people want this. People want Batman movies, but they want fresh stories. And you do that with fresh villains. And that's just the key. 
Yeah. The other thing, and we should probably move on at some point. The other thing that they've never done, they've never done a good um, Carmine Falcone. That's true. Like, oh, like he's, he's going to be, like a, he's going to be in this one. Falcone. Okay. Okay. I was going to say they all, they always have him as like a uh, side character. Yeah. But if they brought him in more, so maybe if they're, if they're gonna, maybe they're on the right side. Maybe they're, yeah. maybe they're doing it right. I, it's really they're going for the comics. And, you know, Buck Off, I, I've been talking about this with Jordan for a while. We've we've really considered becoming a film podcast. And yeah, this we is can our, do it. This is our passion. This is our passion. We talk sports for a living. This is our passion. Uh, yeah, I love movies. movies. All uh, I do is not for me. It's movies in yeah, general. I, I'm a big movie but, guy. But I love superhero movies too. After the pandemic, it kind of subsided. Uh, there was one movie before we go. It was it's the movie, the new movie with Brad Pitt where he's on a train. I think it's called Bullet Train. I'm going to see that one. That's going to be a good one. I think I saw that. I am going to see that. Yeah, I love movies. Um, I don't always like going to the theater though, so they're getting rid of it. But I love the direct to home, yeah. like, and I would do like like the movie night. We'd get popcorn, like we'd still make it like a thing for like some of the ones we really wanted to see. But that direct to home on HBO Max, that kind oh, of yeah. stuff, yeah, hundred percent. When yeah, it's probably going to go away as like COVID protocols and all that stuff gets lifted, but. Yeah, that was a good time when you could just go onto HBO Max and just watch a movie or go onto Apple yeah. movies and be like, oh, yeah, sweet. This one's for free right now. Awesome. I'll watch it. Or like even if it's yeah, like $3.99 for a rental, I'm like, that's cheaper than the movie theater. Uh, facts, because I uh, I don't know about you, but I like to talk during movies, but I don't talk at the movie theater because that's disrespectful. But at home, I can like talk a little and process and so, yeah, that was also good. If you have like your natural reaction, yeah, it's a lot more fun. It's it's why I watch sporting events at home for the most part because I get to be my unheld. I I could be my unhinged self watching sporting events by myself at home. Can't do that in public. People are judging. Oh uh, yeah, and you know, all right. I think smooth transition here. Um, Batman, crazy villains. Uh, Ohio State's basketball's last two games are my Joker villain origin story. <laughs> and I I can't really so you you haven't watched every game, you've watched the last few, so you've really seen Ohio State basketball at its worst. And uh, I, I've been scrolling through Twitter, just kind of seeing how everybody's feeling, trying to get the energy in the room. It's not great. The energy is bad. Uh, Ohio State is up at the half right now. We're recording during the game, 43-33 on Michigan State. Hopefully it stays that way or else I'm going to be very irate by the end of the show. And we'll come back to Buckeye basketball with our last segment. But they had their worst loss since the 70s. Um, they first time not first time losing to a losing a team with a losing record in March since like 1973. I think is what the stat said, and wow. that's absolutely incredible. That is like, and it's like if you had it, it, it's like if you had a failing business on your resume. Like it's not great. Like why were you part of that? What happened there? There's a lot of questions to be asked, and when you look at it from a historical standpoint in 10 years. It's still going to be one of the worst loss, even with all of the aspects surrounding the game cons- like being considered. And uh, it's it's tough, man. It's a really tough. It's a tough beat to follow. And so from 
I, I've watched probably 75% of Ohio State basketball's games, so I kind of want your fresh perspective on it because this team has beaten me down for two and a half months now of just the roller coaster ride of emotions I've been on. So the last two games you've watched intently, been part of the gang. Um, how how they make you feel? Um, pretty bad, pretty bad. Um, it's like I don't know what they're doing on offense. Well, okay. I'm going to start with offense because offense is the easier thing. I don't know what they're doing on offense. The first game, I kind of was like, okay, they kind of look tired, and I kind of understand that. They've been making up a lot of games, that kind of stuff. It just seemed like EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham didn't want the ball at all. Like, I think they both ended up with less than 10 points, or it was like 11 or 12. Like, they were not really a part of it. And it was really upsetting because it was like, if one of those guys went off, they probably would have won the game because I think it was Jamari Wheeler, but one of the other guys was like hot from three came off the bench was stroking it like it was like okay if he was doing because he doesn't always do that so if he was doing it and one of them was on they probably win this game but okay they're tired fine then the Nebraska game happened and I knew Nebraska was on some kind of little tear little mini tear for themselves because I watched them blow out Penn State and so like I was a little cautious about that game but I figured like we would get it back and they just like going towards the defense, just absolutely no effort. Like, I watched those two games, and then the two games before, when you put it together, those four, I saw the stat from someone about their their other team's offensive rebounding percentage and stuff like that. It just seems like they weren't putting in any effort. They kept settling for threes. And the thing that's weird to me is, like, EJ Liddell looks like a mid-range god. Side note, everything in sports is cyclical. And the mid range is coming back, and I'm very excited for yeah, that. Yeah, it's alive and well. I'm very excited for that. Like in the NFL, in uh, the NBA, what am I talking about? Um, DeMar DeRozan is hitting the mid range again. Kawhi has always been in the mid range. Like the mid range is coming back, which is really good. And so, like, EJ Liddell is perfect in the mid range. And it was either Nebraska, but I think it was the game before. It was like they were three for three or four for four on mid-range possessions. I literally remember them. EJ Liddell flashed, hit a shot. Malachi Branham got off the screen, hit a shot. EJ Liddell flashed, got the ball, dribble drive, hit a layup. And then I think there was maybe another one. But that was only the only three or four times the entire game or up until like that point in the second half that they had done that. And it's like everyone who knows anything about basketball knows if they play a 2-3 zone, you beat it. On the on the, I'm losing my basketball terms. The mid range area yeah. and the elbow. You beat yeah. it on the elbow. If you have a dominant center, you pull them up to the elbow. You give them the ball, especially if they can pass, and then you cut behind it. EJ Liddell is not a center, but he's dominant because he can shoot in the mid range and he could pass off of it. And Malachi Branham has a good mid range shot, so it's like. They didn't even try to get to the mid range against two three zone, and that just made me mad. They were just chucking up threes yeah. and missing. So yeah, it's just I like like a huge part of that was like you just had a lot of guys who hadn't played together. You had like rotations yeah. you'd never seen on the floor, and it was like so when you look at the offense, you can kind of make sense of those struggles because when you have four guards in and four like you have guards playing. EJ Liddell's role or a traditional small forward role, or you have a guard having to play the four now, it really throws a wrench into things. And like, I was thinking about it, like obviously no coach voluntarily wants to play a lineup that their roster isn't constructed to play, which we saw. But the part that lost me in the Nebraska game was 
all those effort stats, you know, you're a better team. You should never get out-efforted by the worst team. You should never be out-rebounded. Even if you've yeah. got four guards on the floor, you should never get out-rebounded by a lesser basketball team. And you should never get out and hustle to loose balls. You should not have less steals. You should not have less offensive rebounds. And that was – that's the part in the Nebraska game that was very worrisome to me because it felt like – in the Maryland game, you kind of see the fatigue. It didn't look great. And then Zed Key went down, and it looked even worse because now you lost a pretty good offensive big. The next game, you lost Kyle Young pretty early. And pretty much once Kyle Young got hurt, I knew that game was that game was cooked. They were never going to have the defensive versatility to win that game, especially when you had the McGowan brothers doing whatever they were doing. And they went stupid. Like, you but, cannot, like, hate on Nebraska for being as good as they were the last two games. Like, that's just the well, Big Ten. I didn't watch the second half of that game. But the first half, the McGowan brothers were okay. But, like, Bryce, I think, is the younger one. Yeah, the better he, one. He was putting in points, but, like, he was missing a lot of shots. Like, and so, as far as the rotations and things, I do think that's a part of it. But... Um, my thing is, I understand how that affects the defensive end. Like you said, it shouldn't affect effort, which was an issue. But I understand how that can affect the defensive end. But it shouldn't affect the offensive end because a lot of the guys that they were missing aren't their offensive playmakers. Like, like that Kyle Young, and like, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't watch a whole lot. He's not an offense. He's he's an effort guy, defense a little bit. He he puts in points. He's one of those guys. He's, that he's like, a second chance points guy, which is right, which is which is big. But like, their their two stars were there. They're one or two from my perspective. You asked for a new perspective. They're one or two guys who could shoot threes were there. So, but the offense was failing, and that's the weird thing. I understand the defense, but it's just like they couldn't score, and like that yeah. didn't make any sense. To me, because you had the players to score, and I just felt like they weren't putting in the effort and doing the things in the spot, like just uh, avoiding the mid range when you have two very good mid range and they're literally giving it up to you because they're in a two three zone. That is like that's not the rotation, that's effort, that's want to, that's intellect, whatever you want to call it. Um, that I didn't like, yeah. So, I'd say if I had to like look at the two losses in kind of their own, like in their own nature. The first loss to Maryland, that was you kind of tough scheduling, tough fatigue. You know, you had extra games. You had a really tough game against Iowa, and it just was not a great game, not a good matchup for Ohio State. And once again, I think the defense and the guard play has been pretty atrocious down the stretch, and that needs to be tightened up. And when you look at the Nebraska game, so that game just wasn't there. The Nebraska game, you had – he scored a lot of points, and they could not slow them down. It really felt like watching an Ohio State football game this past season with the defense. Like, teams were just taking whatever they wanted at times, and that's what Nebraska did. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, defense is effort. And if you're, like, March 1st, that game happened, you're two to three games away from the conference tournament, and you're having effort like that effort lapses like that. That's what made that loss so hard to deal with. I personally think the Maryland loss was a worse loss. That was the must have game. Like Nebraska, I could make it, I could make sense of it. You know, you go into the year, you expect to have Seth Towns just as suing. They get hurt in training camp and you go even further. And now you lose your other two bigger players in Zed key. That means you're only playable big against a team like Nebraska's EJ Liddell. 
And then you have a bunch of guards who have never played really together trying to figure something out on the fly. It's it's a tough situation. Nebraska's terrible. I understand that. But, God, it's just the stretch of luck this team has had this year. And I just want, I just want to take a step back. And, like, Ohio State was projected to finish four through six in the Big Ten by most outlets. And they're going to do that. And they're going to do that without two major contributors who are supposed to be there. And down the stretch, they lost two more contributors. And I read our friend Josh Julie. He's on Hangout with Holy Land. He's a contributor. Uh, he was talking about Zay Key's injury. And, you know, these games are relatively meaningless at this point. The real games matter again at the tournament. You know, they weren't going to win the regular season conference title. The double buy still up for grabs. So that's important. But the real challenge is going to come come the conference tournament, come March. And Holtman can make up everything if he wins a couple games, makes a sweet 16. And I think people forget that. Like, I, I think a conversation we constantly have is people treat basketball like it's football, right? Football, you have one game a week, and every game matters. In college basketball, you could drop a few games, and it doesn't hurt you in the long run. Yeah, so I think the thing, and I get this from fans. I think the thing is, is it's the it's not losing a couple of games, it's the games that they lose. Um, one thing I understand on both sides is it's very it's just hard to. Um, let's put it this way. Let's put it in football terms. We talk about football a lot. Yeah. How would you feel? We have a home and home with Alabama in a couple in a couple weeks. We have Georgia, all that kind of stuff. Well, how would you feel if in that year we go, we beat Georgia, we beat Alabama, we beat Georgia, and we do it handily, and then we turn around and lose to Rutgers? Yeah, it'd be that's tough. what it it's feels tough like. That's that's what basketball feels like. They go and they beat Duke. They beat North Carolina. They beat these teams that you go into the game expecting them to lose, and they win the game. And then they and then they win, and then they go on a roll. And they're doing really well. And, and then, then they just meet. They, they meet Northwestern. They meet Minnesota. They meet Rutgers. Like, you know, and that, that's the issue I think people have with basketball. Because you never know what they're going to be because they beat the top. They beat that team that they're not supposed to beat. You expect them to go four or five. And it's I think it's how they get there, right? Yep. If they got to the fourth or fifth spot in the Big Ten by losing a couple games early, losing to losing to Bama, losing to Duke, losing those teams they're supposed to, and then finish strong, you'd feel a little bit different. You're like, okay, we have momentum going into the tournament. This that they do the opposite. They start strong and then they always finish on on a downhill swing, and then they lose in the first or second round. And so, I understand why they're frustrated. Um, I don't know that I'm fully on the fire Holtman crowd, but I'm also not fully on the don't fire him because the thing I think that you can do is you can get complacent. And this, I am not predicting this, but if Ryan Day doesn't meet levels, we're going to go into the same thing where it's like you sit in this like in the culture in the same spot. But they just keep coming up short, and that's like you can't accept that. Right. And then you also sit into this thing where it's like you're not sure if there's a better coach, but you're not sure that there's, there's not. A worse co- it's, it's Michigan football. And, it's, it's, yeah. It's, and, and so it's like consistently you see guys like Jim Harbaugh, guys like James Franklin in the NBA. And I'll be honest, like Chris Holtman, I would definitively say if you went to a basketball school, 
I think he'd win the fans over immediately just because of the way he coaches. But the expectations at Ohio State for every athletic program are skewed because of the success of football. And maybe he's not a good Ohio State coach. And that's maybe true. He's like, good, fit, fit is a lot. I was like, maybe he's a good coach for it. Maybe he's a good underdog team. He got to the Sweet 16s with Butler. So that's kind of like where that's kind of where I get concerned about Holtman. It's like, okay, you were able to get there with lesser talent at those schools. Um that's that's where I come in. That's where my ire with him is. But like yeah, the regular but, season in the Big Ten in basketball is incredibly difficult, and I think fans sometimes forget that in basketball you're not going to go like thirty six and two. It's very rare you have teams that good, or they play in a conference like Gonzaga, where they play in the West Coast Conference, where there's two good teams. So it like it's like the NBA. It's like sixty six and sixteen's good. Um, like that's an elite year. You go down to like fifty-eight and twenty-four or whatever. That's a really good year. And if you look at win percentages, Ohio State's pretty close to that. Yeah, I, I, that's what. I, that's why I think it's just. I think if it was more even, it'd be fine. Or if it was flipped, where they struggled in the beginning yeah. and then got strong Shot at the at end, the end. it'd be yeah. fine. But like you have, I, I mean, let's. I, I will just ask you straight up instead of making a hypothetical. Do you have confidence about them going into the tournament based on the last four, four or five games? Uh, so I'm gonna pose it this way. So every time I've said something about Ohio State basketball, I've spoken in definitives. The opposite has happened. So I'm going to say, yes, I have zero confidence in this team going into the March. And that's because, like, what have we seen? We've seen two terrible losses. Um, Once again, they're struggling defensively against a Michigan State team that just got dominated by Michigan, like dominated. And, yes, they're without Zed Key. They're without a couple starters here. But, once again, they're a very overmatched basketball team that has no business being on the court with E.J. Liddell and Malachi Branham. And it's only a 10-point game. So – I don't. And, you know, you look at history. Has Chris Holtman made it past, made it to the round of 32 at Ohio State? I think he has one time. Um, do has I think he? he'll make a sweet 16? Oh, wait. The round of 32 is the second round. Yeah. So, I'm tripping. Yeah. yeah. So I just, I'm not confident. I, I do believe in EJ Liddell. I think his stats are going to maintain and stay ridiculous. Do I think they'll win the conference tournament? No. But I, I just think. When it comes down to getting to the round of 64, once you get into the tournament, a huge chunk of it, because they could lose every the rest of their games. They're in the tournament. They're a lock. But but that's not going to make Buckeye fans feel good. No, not at all. It's actually a, it'd probably get Holman fired before the tournament started, which is incredible. But all I say is you've got two elite offensive players. If they could get some semblance of support consistently, and Joey Bronx giving it to him today, uh, but – if they can get some semblance of support consistently, because you can't have EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham averaging 20 points per game and then lose games like that just should not be allowed. That means you just yeah. need at least 30 points from six other players. And you're good. Yeah. And and maybe they just don't have the roster. I don't know, but it doesn't seem like that they should be the issue right now. And so is that not Holtman's fault? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, or, or or do you mean right now because of injuries? injuries Are yeah. you saying that they don't? Okay, okay, yeah, that's they, different. I they, thought you were saying they don't have people, the people on the roster, and I was going to say then that's a Holman issue, right? Yeah, and next year's recruiting class is incredible. They've got five players coming in, all like top one hundred recruits, so that should be very exciting. I, I think another issue Holtman's had is he's missed on some big time names, and like DJ Carden a couple years ago was supposed to be an elite superstar. They had a recruiting class that I don't even think any of them are on the team still and that's that's something that you can't really have so they've done a good job filling holes in the transfer portal i think with this recruiting class and holtman's ability in the transfer portal like there's a there's a foundation built and i just want to see him have some success in march this year to kind of build that momentum going forward with the fan base because i think something a lot of people forget is how bad model left the cupboards. Like, you know, a lot of people like make jokes that a coach left the cupboard bare. Ohio state was a terrible basketball team when that model left and he had to rebuild it. He had to rechange the culture because Jaquan Lyle, uh, I can't even remember his name anymore. He transferred to Arizona state. Like they, a lot of these players have left and had no success elsewhere. So who are we going to point the fingers at there? Uh now he's got his guys. And like any every coach, this is a huge excuse. Wait till he gets his guys. Wait till he gets his guys. He's got his guys, and he's going to get more guys. This is a chance for him to win over some of the fan base back. If he closes out the conference tournament strong, if he closes out in the tournament strong, like this is a huge opportunity for him. But the confidence, it's like a coin flip. This back to Batman, this is two-face. You never know what you're going to get. And that's no fun. That's not fun. Then, I, I, I think when Ohio State was consistently riding that eight and twelve train, like people were excited about basketball. But when you see Ohio State beat Duke, that's that loaded, like you said, and lose, it's tough. It's tough. And I, that's like you said. I think we both understand where fans are. I think the expectation of greatness is Ohio State's. It's kind of a double edged sword in a way. We're like, you can't really look at a team for what it is because they're Ohio State and they should be winning national championships. But Ohio State's basketball program's never been a consistent national title contender. So they're exactly what Ohio State basketball is. And if Chris Holtman can elevate it, he'll be a hero forever. We'll see. Well, I think he's. A, I think he's a good coach. I think he. So and the thing is, I think some people is, forget. Like he was following, arguably the best coach in Ohio State basketball history. So that stuff too. I don't think any of that matters, honestly, because you're always going to have fans who aren't unhappy. The only thing that matters is what you hinted at at the beginning is the tournament. He's not going to give himself a chance to show how good of a coach he is and how good this recruiting class and stuff is if he can't win in the tournament. And at the end of the day, that's his issue. And that's all that matters. And, and he's like, it's not going to matter if they don't win. Yeah, it's like for football, the only thing that matters is beating Michigan and then you build the rest around that. In college basketball, just get to the Sweet 16 a couple times and you'll buy a bunch of good faith with your basketball program. Yeah. It'll buy you some time for sure. Yeah, and like it's different. Like college football coaches, we know this as that's what we talk about mostly. They have three years. And in this day and age, not even sometimes. In college basketball, a lot of guys are getting five, six, seven, eight years. And that's that means like if you really look at it, 
he's on this schedule. Like, and you need to rebuild the culture, shift it. You get the first three years to do that. You get this fourth and fifth year to prove that you could take this program to the next level. And then six, seven, eight are where your, your chances are to win the national title. So year five, we've got to see what he can do in the tournament. And if he does well, he, he earns a lot of, he earns a lot of that trust back. If he does well in the tournament this year. Yeah, but with that, I think Chris Holtman, the tournament, like we said, the most important aspect. Um, and that takes us to our next conversation topic. Here we go. The NFL Combine. Uh, we're watching that live as well. Uh, huge news. Uh, Jordan, you were watching it, and then something incredible happened here. Um, what What's the news from our Buckeyes out there? Uh, Chris Olave just ran a four two six, and it was a real four two six. Like even if they adjust it, it'll probably still be adjusted under four three. I watched it twice. You rewound it and watched it. It was a legitimate four two six. He came out the block perfect. I mean, it's not a real block, but you know what I mean. He came out the stance perfect. He ran a four two six. That is absolutely nuts. I knew he was gonna run a four three. Like I knew, like he's 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 so smooth. He doesn't look fast, but it's like his signature route is a post. So you don't run a post if you're not fast. So I, I have this for everybody right now. I saw draft people saying he was going to run in the mid fours, and people I don't know anything. And I looked. It was Matt Miller. Uh, he's now at the ESPN. He used to be a Bleacher Report, and he's I terrible. I tweeted at him and I said, "You are so dumb if you think he's going to run a four five or four six. and. Like he went in at a bunch of people who was like, I don't think he has a dominant trait. And I wrote an article literally about which former Buckeye has the most to gain at the combine. I said, if Chris Olave runs a good 40 time and solidifies himself as a first round pick, he could make himself $10 million. That's the difference between getting picked 13th at the Browns and 32nd with the Lions or whoever ends up with that draft pick or 33rd with the Lions. That's how much money it is. And I. I'm so happy. Like once again, we're right. Like Chris Olave was going to prove a lot of people wrong, and I told everybody. I was like telling all everyone was asking me, "Is like, do you think he'll be a first round pick?" I mean, he's for sure a first round pick. Me and you talked about it, and I thought his range was wider just because he, like Garrett Wilson's athleticism, immediately pops off the screen. But like you said, like Olave's just so smooth that sometimes you don't appreciate how athletic he actually is. Yeah, I think that hurt him and. It hurt him because NFL draft guys are idiots. My thing is this. It is true that a lot of it does not have one singular dominant trait. But there are a lot of wide receivers who have come into the league with one singular dominant trait who have never been good. Think about the guy who uh, got drafted in the first round of Cincinnati and caught like three passes his entire career. The issue with a lot of NFL draft people... And I understand that they it's get, hard. I want to be clear. It's hard it's to have hard. to watch a lot of people. They get infatuated they with traits. To, they get infatuated yeah. with the physical ability. And that's cool. But, like, you have to be able to watch the tape and see. Like, if you're actually going to watch the tape, you have to be able to watch the tape. I understand that there are some measurable things, this, that, and the third. But you would know Alave is fast if you watched him run a post route. But you don't. First of all, you don't run a post route if you're slow. That's why tight ends don't run it. And he and he's always open. He's always open because he's always fast in the guy covering him. He's good at finding open space, all the other things that matter. And it's like, dang, Alec Pierce from Cincinnati ran a 4-3. Okay. Some, he made him some, money. some blazers. Yeah, but like my thing is just like 
if you actually watched the film, you would know he was fast. Now, I didn't know he was 4-2 fast. I, we, like said, I said, we were talking about it. We thought he was like 4-3-8. I thought four, he was going to run a 4-3-8. Four, three, four, three, I said, yeah, like 4-3-8, 4-4-2. Like, like in that very range, I was not expecting a 4-2-6. But like, <laughs> they don't watch the film, and they don't know how to evaluate people, and so they just spew things. And I feel like, like receiver is a position that – they overcomplicate for so many reasons for like, you could literally just watch receivers. They make plays. Like I could tell you Jahan Dotson. I could tell you Chris Olave. I could tell you Garrett Wilson. They're freak athletes. Everyone's like, Ooh, Traylon Burks is the biggest freak in the draft. I'm like, yeah, he's six, three, 225 pounds and a freak athlete, but I'm just going to say it. Like all these other receivers, we saw Jahan Dotson, Moss, Sean Wade, like three times. I've seen Traylon Burks make those same plays. Like, I think a lot of people are getting stuck on players like Megatron, players like that with that size, but that's not the receiver position anymore. It's just it's not. not. And that's the thing, like, because these kids, and I say kids because they're kids when they start, because they start playing wide receiver at 10 and they catch literally like 30 million balls by the time they get through college, you can play wide receiver at any style now. Yep. Like, you can literally play wide receiver at any style because they teach the well. Maybe they don't teach route running because I was watching earlier and none of these guys could freaking run an out route. But they teach the intricacies of the position. They all know how to catch. So like you don't need to be this Calvin Johnson anymore. Now I think that there's something that they say on the athletic football show that I like. You build your wide receivers like a basketball team. I think you need body types. I yep. think every team needs a big guy. I think every team needs a, a – you know what I mean? But like, Yeah, you want a Drake London and you want a Chris Olave on your roster if yeah. you can get them. The difference, though, is you don't need Drake London to be your number one wide receiver. You nope. need like you used to need your Drake London to be number one every single trip. You don't need that anymore. Yeah. Any any of your wide receivers, Tyreek Hill can be your number one. You just still need those body types for situational things. Yeah. And that is what they haven't caught up to. And that is weird. But it's like, look at the wide receivers now. Like. Well, like, literally, one, like, I heard, okay, so I'll give Pete Traeger some credit here. He's like, these weapons come in all shapes and sizes now before the combine started. He's like, I'm excited to watch these receivers because you've got Traylon Burks, who's 6'3", 230 pounds. Then you've got a guy, and I can't remember the school. I think it's Western Kentucky, and he's 5'7", super explosive, like, gadget player, and he's just as valuable in the NFL these days. Like, you really can't just – God, the third fastest receiver 40 times since 2003, Chris Olave. But you really yeah. just cannot pigeonhole receivers anymore. Like, yes, you're going to have DK Metcalf, but I'll look at the Seattle Seahawks and Tyler Lockett's just as an effective of a receiver, and they're not even near similar as players. It's just like it works. Yeah, and like if it I'm – I'll be honest, if I'm drafting a receiver right now, uh, this, we're going to head to a quick break here. But if I'm drafting a receiver right now, I'm going and I'm asking Brian Hartline, hey, can this dude play? And Brian Hartline's <laughs> going to tell him, have you seen the film? Yeah. And even if it's 
even if it's not an Ohio State receiver, I still may call Brian Hartline and say, hey, can this guy play? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just making sure. We want to draft this guy from Fresno State. Can he play? <laughs> Brian Hartline would be like, why are you calling me, bro? <laughs> hey, come on. Come on, please. Five minutes. Five minutes, please. Can you watch this film with me? Let's cut it up. <laughs> uh, Listen, I, I did the cutting for you. Oh, he, he looked like he pulled a hammer. No, he just slowing down. No, it's like, yeah, I did the cutting everything. Please, just like five minutes. Tell me if this guy is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then we'll, we'll see you guys after the break. We're going to talk a little bit more about the combine before we head into some fun topics to close this thing out. Uh, we'll see you guys after these ads. All right, welcome back, everybody. Hopefully, you guys, there's there's tons of sports on right now. Me and Jordan are trying to keep track of all of them while staying on topic with the show. But that's the thing. I, I, I think we've been blessed moving this show to the Thursday recording time because I think a lot more sports stuff happens on Thursdays. And heading into the weekend, you get a lot more sporting news. Uh, so it's been really fun. We've got the combine on. We've got the basketball game on. We're watching both, kind of reacting to it, trying to stay on topic. But... The NFL Combine. We had a question, who has the most to gain at the NFL Combine? I think the question was answered. Like, Chris Olave just made himself probably $5, $10 million right there with that four two six. And it's really stupid because he, okay. he had zero say, left to prove. I'm going to be honest. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to say two things. From a Buckeye standpoint, the person who had the most to gain is either – Thayer Mumford, well, not Thayer Mumford, it's either NPF or Jeremy Record. NPF, because I, I listen to a bunch of draft podcasts and things like that, and a lot of people think that he's weak. So he needs to reach the bare, the bare NFL minimum on the bench press. Absolutely. He has a lot to prove, uh, and I don't think he really helped himself a whole lot. Or or Jeremy Record, because the, the tight end room is is uh, I was going to say thick, which is true, but the tight end room is stacked, but there's no clear tight end one. One, And if he has a great, you know, combine, he could be tight end one. That's the real answer. But somehow it became Chris Olave because these draft guys are idiots and they didn't tell that he was obviously wide receiver one or wide receiver two. Yeah. And I'm just looking at it and I agree. So I kind of went with my, with my column. I kind of went with the financial route. But the second round to third round is still a significant difference, and that's kind of where Jeremy Rucker and Nicholas Petit-Friere are. And I think when you look at our offensive linemen, like the two tackles in the draft in Nicholas Petit-Friere and Thayer Munford, a huge issue with Ohio State's run game last year was physicality and strength to move people off their spots. I, I just like that's what I saw. That's what I wrote about on my player profile for Thayer Munford. It's like he's a really good tackle. He will play in the league. He's a perfect swing tackle candidate. He's played both sides in college. Nicholas Petitfriere in that same vein has played right tackle and left tackle. They'll both find a starting spot and probably a second contract in the NFL because I think they're both very talented. But yeah, they're, that's they're, the thing. I was always. Their ceilings, I think, are where the question comes in because I think they both could be legitimate NFL starters. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing that, like, I was always confused. And I am I know a lot. I would say I know a decent amount of offensive line, largely just because I care where a lot of people don't. But I could never tell why people weren't so high on them until I started listening to things and reading things about offensive line, playing some stuff like that. And I'm starting to see it. I'm starting to understand a little bit of why they're not super favored. But I don't think they're scrubs. I think that 
I mean, let's be honest. I want, I want, uh, and it's not just because I'm a coach fan. I just think he'll be the best tackle in that eight in that area. I want MPF to to fall to the Colts. Yeah. And be our starting left tackle. And the reason why I think he'd be good on the Colts is while he has some weaknesses, true, he'll be next to Quentin Nelson, which will help you cover know, it up. And playing you, next to the best guard in America is going to help. You <laughs> like, can kind of you could kind of not make him disappear in the run game, but then you can get Quentin Nelson in space more because he's so elite. Like you don't have to really rely on him as much to be a dominant run guy. This dude, Taquan Thornton, from nowhere, just ran a 4-2-1. And it was legitimate. I watched him come out the thing, and I knew it was fast and a lot of it. That is absolutely Garrett Wilson, nuts. Garrett, Garrett Wilson ran already? I just got there. I was, oh, I rewound so I could see it again. Oh, uh, yeah. And so then, he was ahead of me. Yeah. Because I have, like, five people before Garrett Wilson runs. 4-3-7? Jesus Christ. <laughs> They're literally They're twins. Moving. They're twins. They're twins. They're Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are twins. Because we had Garrett Wilson in the high four fours. Yeah, I I really so, thought Garrett Wilson was going to be a four 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 five guy. So color me shocked. The fact that Chris Olave is not going to be the fastest receiver at four two six is going to bother me. But I didn't think Thornton looked that much faster. So let's get these official times in here. I want to say I'm excited. That was incredible. Like, Garrett Wilson's fast, man. Someone else just ran a four two eight. This class is nuts. Or the if, clock is wrong. If you want a if you want a receiver or a tight end, this class is the class this to is get the one. This is the one. It really is. Especially because like, last year's was good, but last year's didn't have like if you're a body type guy, last year didn't have any of the big body type receivers. They were no. all like small guys. This this class has everything. Yeah, you could you could pick and choose. Like if you already have like if you're the Chiefs and you already have Tyree Kill, Drake London and Traylon Burks might end up falling there. Like, you could get that bigger receiver. If you're the Seahawks and you kind of want a shiftier guy at receiver, you could find, like, a David Bell in the second round. You know, if you're in the first round you're the Browns and you need a more all-around receiver, you got two right down the street about 100 miles away in Columbus to go after. Yeah. And I, I just, like, when you're running, like, a 4-4 is, like, a really respectable 40 time, and they're, like, making that seem like that's inadequate now. It's um, it's more than respectable. I mean, that is like that's fast, that's fast. fast. So now, like you know, how people used to say that dude's fast, fast. You got to add a third yeah. fast now for people. <laughs> he's fast. He's fast, fast, and he's fast, fast, fast. Like, but yeah, that's I, nuts. But it's it's nuts. I'm excited. Like, it's really awesome watching these guys excel here. Uh, yeah, uh, it doesn't look like I didn't see Olave run again. I wouldn't run again if I was Chris Olave. I wouldn't uh, either. <laughs> Why would you? You don't need to. Uh, maybe I missed it. Uh, no, I'm I'm watching it now. I don't think he ran again. Yeah, good for him. You you said you said you, you did it. You you have nothing else to prove. If you ever run, like even if the guy times it wrong, so say you went to Nike Spark and you know they have like the 15 hand timers. If they have yeah. to write down four two seven, just never run another forty in your life. Yep. Even if you know you didn't run it, you never run again. It's like when I measured in at six feet tall, never needed to measure in again. <laughs> Just write it on the paper. Yeah, no, just that, that's it. That's it. Especially because, like, he runs a 4-2-6. If he ran, like, a 4-3-3 after that, which is still a very fast time, they're going to be like, oh, he's not that fast. He's not a 4-2-6. The 4-2-6 was the 4-2, you know, no. Nah. 
He's a four two guy. You can't yeah. say anything else. I wouldn't even run at the pro at the pro day. I'm no, done. You, don't you to. saw the you saw the four two six. Just run position drills at the pro day. Have fun. Uh, Taekwon Thornton again. Here we go. Um, sorry guys, this is we're watching live. A four two one. All right. No, that's fast. That's fast. You fast. Four two one. I don't think this was. A, I think they're going back to it actually. Uh, okay, your boy's gonna have some editing to do. Uh, but I, I wouldn't even edit it. I this think, is fun. I think this is fun. People, I, yeah, this I is live they, reaction. I'll put it in the show yeah. notes. We're live reacting to the combine. This is fun. But people, people really. I mean, it was it was a, a crazy game. But people really liked it when me and Dante live reacted to whichever playoff game we were watching. So I think it's fine because it's not. We're a little off track, but like they're watching. We're still it too. on track. We're talking about the combine. Yeah. We're here. Uh, so yeah, I think. I think we talked most again. I think the tackles have a lot to gain with their bench press. If yeah. they could show, like, because their Munford and Nicholas Petit Ferrier are incredible athletes for tackles. So I don't think they're going to test poorly at all. I, I want to see their jumping numbers. I want to see vertically how well they do in their broad jumps as well. Um, I, you know, I think Tyreek Smith has a, little, has a good amount to gain. I think he could show, because he's a little bit undersized. If he could. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's working out with the defensive line or linebackers just because his weight's kind of been in that 240, 245 range. You said Tyreek Smith? Yeah. And I think. Yeah, he, what do they do for three, four guys? Like the guys that are going to play the outside backer. Do they work out with DNC or do they work out with linebackers? That's, right. That's kind of where I'm at because it's a different. It's, it's similar. So, like, they make those H-back, those fullbacks, those split-wise, like – play and test with tight ends, even if they're not traditional tight ends. So Cam Hayward's brother, Connor Hayward, the guy who kind of does everything for Michigan state, he was with the tight ends. Uh, so it, it really is one of those things where uh, I'm just, I'm not, I'm honestly just not sure uh, where he's going to work out, but I think he could prove a lot because a lot of people said he didn't play very strong. And I think we were kind of harsh critics in that regard with them. And I think he could prove a lot. And I think him as an outside linebacker is where I projected him in my draft profile for him. So I think reality, I think they work out with edge rushers, though, the outside linebackers. Because it, it's more sense. of a similar position, right? The, the four, three, four outside linebacker. So that's what I'm going to go with. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It doesn't really matter. They're, they all do the same drills. Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. I think it's. Yeah, I don't know. It's more to get the number on the paper, just kind of organize you with uh, where you're at uh, in interviews and all that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I think this is something we got to talk about while we're kind of watching the combine, reacting to the combine. Uh, the the question I have for you right now, uh, and I, I kind of under like we both follow the NFL. We both have favorite NFL teams. My team historically is famous for drafting people, the Browns. So I follow the draft hmm. process more than most people historically. But for the players, the importance of this in the process, I think a lot of people over evaluate this. I think a lot of NFL guys make this an overly huge deal because it's something that drives people to the TV a little bit. But I, I think. Well, I think focusing on traits, I'm sorry. Focusing on traits makes them makes it possible for them not to do their job. Yeah, 
because they can say we drafted him because he's fast or we drafted him because he did a lot. You don't actually have to evaluate, which is why a lot of people misevaluate. So I think that's why it's easy. They can get a sheet. They can say his height's this, his weight's this. It fits into this chart. He ran this. He's going to be good. Either yeah, that absolutely. or they have way too much ego and they think that they can make everyone a better player because they have certain traits. They absolutely believe that. They're just not good at their job, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so the importance of the process to me, and this should be the this is to NFL evaluators, not your draft experts. This is the this is to fill in the holes in resumes. So you look at the film, you watch the film. A good general manager, I'd say, does this. And this is to this is confirmation. This is is the speed he's running here matching what he's at on film? If he's running a four three here, why does he play slow? You know, those are the questions they'll ask. You know, uh, that's the thing. Chris Olave doesn't play slow. The four three just confirms that he's actually faster yeah. than a lot of people were thinking. And yep, he doesn't play slow. He just looks incredibly smooth, and that's a huge difference. Uh, so. I think that's important part number one. It's just confirming the skill set. Uh, you know, this is honestly so. Say you have Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Drake London, like kind of competing for wide receiver one. This is like that razor thin area where you can start cutting them up and slicing them up, and like really getting down to the nitty gritty in evaluations. Is um, is Drake London? Is he healthy? Is he at the combine? I do not think he is participating in on field drills. I didn't think so either. Because, I mean, I know he got injured. I mean, his kinda, injury was bad. He broke his ankle. Like, yeah, when is he going to be stuff. out there? He'll be ready for the pro days, I think, what they're projecting. Okay. I cannot believe people have Jameson Williams as a number two wide receiver. And I, I just think it's like – I'd put him at he, five, if I'm being honest. Five or six. What? Him and Jahan Johnson are very yeah. similar to me in my, like, in my head. I, I think the one thing about the NFL – is if you need a specific type of wide receiver, you're good. I think he is the best of that type, of just like a pure deep threat. Absolutely. Someone compared him to Deshaun Watson, which I think uh, – Or Deshaun Jackson. Thank you. Deshaun Jackson, which I think is a perfect comparison because neither one of them – or Devin Smith, honestly, neither one of them are good wide receivers. They're just very fast. And, and I say that because the difference between them and Tyreek Smith – Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill. Hill. Yeah. I cannot do names right now. Tyreek Hill is actually a very good wide receiver who just happens to be fast. If you actually watch his like route concept incredibly so dangerous. space, that kind of stuff, people thought he was just fast, and they started drafting guys. It was like, why are they not Tyreek? Because he's actually an amazing wide receiver. And he's if incredible you, in space. And like yeah. Tyreek Hill's like in the NBA, they use the term unicorn. Tyreek Hill's a unicorn. Right. If you need just a fast guy, then Garrett Wilson, uh, not Garrett Wilson, if you need uh, Jamison Williams, is the best just fast guy. But to have him as the number two wide receiver or anywhere up there makes no sense to me because he's not a good wide receiver. He's not great at slants. He's not great at out routes. He's not great at comebacks. Like, the route tree should matter. He's good at certain things. He's actually not even good. He's excellent at certain things. If you needed a guy for that, perfect. Like, um, yeah. I don't think they will. I don't think they will, but, and he's not going to fall this far. So this is stupid. But like, if, if he were to fall to like the Bears and they were to keep Allen Robinson, he would be a perfect compliment. Absolutely. Because Allen Robinson plays that possession. He's a deep guy. He's an intermediate guy and an over the top guy. The top of the, yeah. I can't think of the top of the draft who would need him. But for example, he'd be great for the Browns. 
because he is very fast guy to take the top off, especially if they re-sign Jarvis, Jarvis who's Landry, an intermediate yeah. guy. And then they have a couple of young guys who they like in certain areas. Like there are teams that he'd be perfect for because they're missing that guy. Yeah. He'd be great for the Colts because unfortunately Paris Campbell didn't work out currently because he's injured and he's faster than Paris. And honestly, if Paris did work out later, you could still have both. He'd be perfect because the Colts don't have a, t- a take the top off guy. And we have Michael Pittman, who is your legitimate old school wide receiver one, possessing wide receiver. Like, Catches everything. He's fa- yeah, he's faster than you think, but Good he's 50, not fast, ball fast. Guy. Yeah. So, like, he's great at what he does. And that's exactly... But he's not a complete wide receiver. Absolutely. So he shouldn't be wide receiver too. When there are guys like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Drake London, uh, Jahan, I mean, I don't know about Jahan Dotson, but David Bell, I would, unless I needed a fast guy, I think I'm taking David Bell over Jameson Williams. Yeah. You Maybe know, not I, Jahan Dotson, but like there are guys I'm taking over him. I'm also going to be honest. Like Chris Olave looks like a filled out 187 right now. And I know he'll probably, he probably play, he'll probably play in the NFL at about 195. Like he, he he looks he looks just like Stefan Diggs, honestly. Like he's Ooh, still just like that. And that's that him that's and funny. Garrett Wilson are like they're both just Stefan Diggs. I, I think they're both they're way faster than him though. So that's where my yeah. comp was with them because I thought they were four 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 five guys. And now they're four fact, three guys. I don't even have a comp for them anymore. They're fast Stefan Diggs, which is just ridiculous. It's scary for everybody else. Uh, yeah, scary hours. So, yeah, I guess to wrap up the combine importance, uh, filling in the gaps, uh, comparisons to other players like of similar skill sets. Like if you have a 4-3 guy and you have a 4-3-5 guy and they're both deep threats, well, one guy's better at the job off just <laughs> five-tenths of a second. And that's what NFL people think. That's not what I think. Yeah. Did Garrett Wilson rerun? Uh, I think it went to commercial. So, uh, okay. but yeah, it, the combine's fun. I'm a big, I, I love when Ohio State has like 13 guys at the combine because then I can just watch it for five days straight and just like, yeah, put on my uh, scout hat. He's not going to go this far, but thinking of Stefan Diggs, JMO on the Bills, dangerous. Oh my God. And he might, you never know. I don't think he'll fall that far, but oh my god! If Jamo went to the Bills, man, that would be. I have an incredibly weird feeling that the Eagles are going to find a way to get Jamison Williams, which would be incredibly I stupid. I just have a feeling because they're not. I don't think they're smart. I mean, what's the, what? Is, who do they have right now? He they got the Devontae, They need another receiver. Devontae they, they got Devontae Smith. Devontae, yeah, Devontae Smith is a small guy, but he's not a burner. He's more of your possession wide receiver. Talking about talent comes in all sizes, so I'm not against it. I mean, he's fast, but he's not like even for Bama, he wasn't their over the top guy. He worked no. the middle a lot. I actually think that I don't think that's a bad combination. Devontae Smith and Jameson Williams. Why are you against yeah. it? I don't uh, think they, that's just a need, they just need way more than Jameson Williams right now. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I think Garrett Wilson didn't run. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see when it comes back. But. His, his, his name, well, because it's already passed for me, and I went back again. Oh, you got it. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, he doesn't need to, so. Yeah, like his name is on the thing like he's running, but unless I just missed it three times, I don't think he ran again. Yeah. Well, either way, I mean, they both ran incredible times, so. Yeah, I wouldn't run again. That's how you pull a hammy. Yeah, like, you don't need to do that twice. Like, 
God, four two six. That's important. That's the importance of the combine right there. Solidify yourself, young man. If you do something, yeah, if you do something crazy like I'm that, I'm telling you, like when you get a kid from California, they're just a little bit faster. That's all I got to tell you all. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, our our boy CJ Stroud tweeted that he said Cali speed. Yeah, so I've got one last question before we move on to some of these questions I got for you to close out the show. Um, Jesus, what would your forty time be right now? I wouldn't finish. I'm kind of hammy. That's how I feel. I'm kind of hammy. So I was like about forty pounds lighter. I was two hundred three. I was probably at my my best weight I've ever been at like from a muscle to like my a body composition standpoint I was like a 471 guy I was a big slot receiver so like uh yeah and that was that was hand time so I'm not near that I'm probably if I had to really just run I'd probably say best case scenario I'm running under six seven I, I'd set the over under at six seconds because Odds are I don't make it to the end with a full out sprint. No, I'm, I'm right now. I would need. Okay, so so what is the question? Is it right now or is it right now? If with a I month of training to get into your, necessarily lose weight. If we got in our cars right now, drove to Ohio State's oh, field right now, and said, right now, and we get their lasers out, and we're running the forty yard dash." You're going to hear something pop. <laughs> like, <laughs> I might make it to the end. I might not. There's no, no I'm way. Absolutely not. There's you're no, going to hear something pop. Oh yeah. Like, there's no way you're getting two runs out of me. <laughs> no, no. That first one's done for. Like a full sprint. I, the last time I played basketball, I played two games, and by the second, I wasn't. Even, I was cherry picking. I wasn't even running back for defense. So that's that's that'll put into perspective where I'm at physically. Um, but, yeah, I, there's just I, I feel like I still move pretty well, given my circumstances uh, physically, but I am not fast anymore. Yeah, like I'm definitely still an athlete. I could do some athletic things. I but, still have great balance, still have great body control. But listen, <laughs> you asked me to chase speed, someone down. It's not happening. Speed. Yeah, I got asthma. Like, you gotta have my. If I make it, somebody's gotta have my inhaler at the end of the. You're gonna have to have the oxygen tanks they give to the defensive linemen during NFL games. Have one of those strapped up, ready to go. But man, it's 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 a it's a world out there, and I'm just not. I'm not running a four two six. I can tell you that. And this is funny. So. I just like people who have never ran a forty yard dash have no self awareness when it comes to it. Like zero self awareness. First of all, it is so much farther than you think. I ran it. I ran it one time when I was in high school. I went to the Nike Combine. I did no training for it. I did nothing. I don't even remember what my run was. I did nothing. I just came out there. It was just like my friends were going. So I said, "F it, I'm gonna go." Yeah. I didn't even know the things. I literally didn't know how to do the three cone drill. Like they had to teach me on the spot. My three cone was so bad because they had to teach me on the spot. And I went out and ran it and I looked at it and I said, holy hell, this is far. It's 40 yards. (laughs) 40 yards is way further than you think. And if you think like you could run with the elite of the elite athletes in the world, I have a very, very stern statement for you. You cannot. And um, (laughs) this lady – Katie Nolan, she used to be at ESPN. I don't know where she's at now. But she used to have this show called, like, 
like always late with Katie Nolan and they had random guys come and they like found them on Twitter who were like bragging about like, I could easily run a four four forty. Like that's not, that's stupid. You know, they all did it. None of them got, were faster than five seconds. Yeah. Um, and unless you ran at laser time, you, you're, it's usually two or three tenths of a second slower once you finally run it with a laser. Yeah, I, I will say, because uh, I've, I've tweeted this a couple of times, for all those people who think that think like that, there's simply one way to prove it. Go out and run. Bring, no, no, no. Uh-huh. Well, yes, but no. Bring back pros versus Joes. Oh, yeah, that's classic. Bring back pros versus Joes so we can prove that you have nothing on a pro athlete. Yeah. That was like, that was my favorite show. That show is great. Bring it back with today's athletes. You had, and what you had shows. I, I remember. I remember pros versus Joe's. Remember that show, Bully Beatdown. I think so, but I honestly, that's not where I watched. Where a like a bully would beat up a kid, and they'd be like, "Oh, so you think you could fight? You want to fight a UFC fighter?" And the bullies would always say, "Yeah," and they'd fight a UFC fighter and just get their ass kicked for like. I actually don't think I've seen that, minutes. and that sounds wonderful. Incredible show, but yeah, pros versus Joe's. Uh, what was the one where uh, they would try out and they like Andrew Hawkins was on it? That was a good one, too. It was on, they were all on Spike. That was that was a channel. Spike was a channel, yeah. Spike was hilarious. I don't even know if that channel is still alive. I think they changed it, but you had Spike, they had shows like Blue Mountain State, they had shows like Mancers. I learned way too much from answers. I don't think a lot of that Mancers, stuff is true. Bro code. Bro code, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. They just, they just showed a clip of Olave running a post against Clemson, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The speed's right there. <laughs> the speed's right there. Put the film back in, Matt Miller. <laughs> like, the speed's right there. Matt Miller's so bad. You're and, so- then he has the nerve, and then he has the nerve to call to charge people for his content. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, he, he's one of those guys. I, I like, you know, I, I do this. We're, we're a free website, so if I'm wrong, it's because I'm not getting paid a salary to write this stuff. <laughs> and you're not paying, yeah, you're not paying any of us, but you're also not paying me directly to be right. Yeah, so like, <laughs> I'm not charging you like 50 bucks to view my draft notebook. Never going to happen because guess what? I'm not going to put in. I, I could put together a draft notebook as good as Matt Miller's. I'm just going to let you guys in on a secret. If I had the time, like yeah. like literally if I had the ability or the desire to quit my job and do draft stuff, which I don't. And I want to be, be clear here. Words do. Congrats even Matt Miller, I respect him. Yeah, like even Matt Miller, I respect him for the work. I do not want to do that. I understand that job is a little bit harder than I think it is, especially doing mock drafts. I will, except for Mel Kuyper and those guys, I will never like crap on mock drafts because the people who actually have some sort of semblance, it's hard. It's very hard. I expect that. Mel Kuyper and the other guy for ESPN is just absolutely garbage, though. So I would crap on them. They also don't spend that much time on it, which is why it's so garbage, because nobody at ESPN spends that much time doing what they're supposed to be doing. They just pay a bunch of people a lot of money to do bad work. Yeah. So I would crap on them. Like, Matt Miller, I respect the effort that you put in. I respect your word to quit your job and go on a limb, all of that kind of stuff. But your evaluations are not good. You are not good at that. I, I yeah, and evaluating and doing the work are two different things. So yeah. I will always give credit for people who do the work, and I will always come at their evaluations when they're wrong. 
Because just because you do the work, I re- we respect the work. We respect the hustle. We do an hour and a half podcast every week. It's a lot of work. Uh, yep. It, it is. And they do these huge, big draft things. Like even the even the best guys, like they still get a lot wrong. And it's because it's really hard. It's like a lot of people talk about recruiting services. You want to know why the recruiting services are so good? Because they have like 250 people creating these things. And they still miss on people like Chris Olavis, who was a three-star. And it's just like he couldn't (laughs) camp. That's where they see these people. He couldn't camp. Uh, So – what you, yeah, like, yeah. It, it makes it hard. It's incredibly I mean, challenging. Like, what? There are thousands of Division hard. One football players. Yeah, thousands. And it's hard to it's hard to get guys who don't camp. It's hard to get guys at states where they're the only guy, which is why Caden Curry's probably better than his rate ranking. And is it Kai Stokes? What? Who is the safety? That's like who is yeah, just Kai like Stokes. yeah yeah who was just like I didn't go to camps because I wanted to improve. Yeah, like he's he's better than what like he's better than his ranking as well but he didn't go to camps it's hard but they still get it a lot they still get it a lot better than most because those got most of the five stars pan out and if they don't it's typically like injuries or personal reasons yeah because you love to not have five stars pan out quarterbacks (laughs) just kidding quarterback like five star quarterbacks tend to be the biggest miss of them all big hunter johnson like there's a few every because it's hard. That's the hardest position to like really evaluate in high school. And, and then sometimes linemen. quarterbacks just get five stars because linemen and quarterbacks are that good. Linemen and quarterbacks are the ones you can't project really all that well. Yeah, because you can't project that someone at, at eighteen is going to put in the work to be a good wide, a lineman at twenty three. Yeah. Yeah, and like you could have a really good lineman who's two sixty five and you just never put on the weight. Like he's actually just two sixty five. Yeah. Like that happens. But yeah, um, so yeah, let's have some fun. We've got like 13 minutes left into our usual window here. I've got two things left to talk about. Uh, which one do you want to start with? Do you want to give some women's basketball love here or want to close out with that? Uh, let's see. We're doing the fan question, let's, the fun fan question. We're going to do the women's let's basketball. end with women's basketball, so we end on an Ohio State note. Positive. I got you. All right. So, yeah. Yeah. all right. Question posed. I've been seeing this one asked to a lot of writers, not me personally, but I really like this question. Um, if you weren't an Ohio State fan or if you didn't cover Ohio State, what team would you root for? I want to start with fan and then we could go like if we weren't working for Land Grant Holy Land, where else would we want to work? So first question, okay. if you weren't an Ohio State fan, is there a college football program that would have your fanhood? Uh, there's two answers. It's either Georgia or Kentucky. Uh, it's most likely Georgia, though. I've been a fan of Georgia since I was a kid, like literally since I was a child. And up until I realized how expensive out-of-state tuition was, I was going to go to college at Georgia. And then when I went to when I was and then I didn't go for undergrad. And I want I really like I really wanted to go for graduate school like i if i could i don't want to keep getting a whole bunch of degrees i may get one more if i decide to get a phd but like um 
if I could go and be a Georgia graduate right now, I would do it. And I would do that before I'd be an Ohio State graduate, to be completely honest. So it would be Georgia. Um, I really like Kentucky because, as you can tell by the podcasting thing, it's actually causing quite an existential crisis for myself. I grew up wanting to work for ESPN or be in like sports media, sports journalist. And a lot of people may not know this, but Kentucky has an amazing program. And I actually, up until I decided I would rather football coach instead of going to journalism, I was going to go to Kentucky. Kentucky had like a quarterback, like had like recruiting things in Columbus. I literally drove to Columbus so I could go to that because Columbus is obviously closer than Kentucky. I got all the packets, all of that kind of stuff was planning a visit. So I really love Kentucky as well. So Georgia or Kentucky are my answers. Um, Yeah, no, those are good answers. So, I, like, I really like the George answer. I, I, like, you're going to go, like, because like, they're blue blood. They're fun. Oh, are they a blue blood? Yeah, I think they're a blue blood. I'd give them that. I'd give them are that. They? Yeah. I, it's, they're, they're right I, I the think it's, They're friends. They're a historically yeah. great football program. Right. They're fun. And, yeah, you're right. I think that would be a fun school to go to. It would um, be. It would be a fun school to go to, and it would be a fun school to root for. Yeah. Go dogs. That's a good one. Kentucky, that one threw me for a loop. I know you went to Kent State. I know you went to West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, two good schools as well. Also, Kentucky. So and Kentucky's I would, fun, and I really like what yeah. they're doing. So they would be a really fun one to join right now. Yeah. Also, though um, – because when this game was out, I was in high school and I was thinking about colleges. I always played with Kentucky and NCAA 14, and it made my love of the game, even like love of the school even more. I never played with Georgia because they were too good. I was very much an underdog yeah. guy, so I always played with Kentucky or Kansas State. Because if you start with Ohio State, it's just too easy to build it. Yeah, which is random because I'm a huge Colin Klein guy, and I yeah, literally, he was like, awesome. physically today, right now, in real life, celebrated when he became the offensive coordinator at Kansas State because he was the quarterback that I always started my franchise awesome. with. He was great. And he was very underrated in that game. He was one of those people like where like your friend would like ban you from playing with some teams and then you'd just like, all right, I'm gonna play with Kansas State right. and then you just murk through. Yeah. I play this game more than you. I'm gonna play with Kansas State. Also, I could be wrong. I, I could have my dates wrong. I don't know if you remember this. Twenty fourteen is that the year? Because there was a really good, there was a really good defensive lineman on Kentucky. That's the year that the OSU guy got in trouble, the five star, and he went and played at Kentucky, right? Uh, n- no, I think that was Micah Parsons. So he went to not Penn in twenty fourteen. Yeah, Micah right? Parsons is Penn State. No, no, no. I'm talking about the like the, the he was on the OSU football team. Oh no, he went to Eastern Kentucky or Western. Yeah, he went to Eastern Kentucky because my buddy he played with my buddy at Eastern Kentucky. There was not an OSU guy that went to University of Kentucky. Yeah, he went to Eastern because he couldn't okay, go to another D1 program because he got in that kind of trouble. Noah Spence, I think, was his name. Yeah, I could have swore he was at Kentucky. Either way, there was a – I don't know who it was. There was a really good uh, defensive lineman that I was always playing yeah. for playing with that I was at Kentucky. And that was like – NCAA 14 was ahead of its time. And that was when um, – if they had the trigger press at the snap to get he, a good jump. And the dude, yeah, and the dude was fast, and I was just killing it. So Kentucky's random, but they're also both personal. So, like, no one can say that, like, I'm a uh, I'm a bandwagoner and my fake who would I root for. Yeah. Um, 
Because like, who would choose Kentucky <laughs> except yeah, for me? Right. Or you're right. <laughs> like, that's that's kind of where I'm at. So my first choice, mine would be Utah. I lived in Utah. I lived in Utah when Urban Meyer was the coach, and they were really good. Uh, and then I've just kind of followed them as they're they've kind of been my second team for since then. Like everyone's got that second team, they always kind of like casually follow. And I'd say my casual fanhood elsewhere would be with Utah, and I always root for them. And I really like what Kyle Whittingham's done the last few years. I even applied to go there, and I got in. Proud of myself for that one. I got into Ohio State. The rest is history. Everyone knows that's why I work at Land Grant. That's why I love Ohio State. Grew up an Ohio State fan. No questions about it. But Utah was always number two. And then it all it's 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 tough because I hate what they've become now. But when I was younger, a Texas like when they had Vince Young, when they had Colt McCoy before they got bad, was one of my favorite programs to watch and root for. But I think I'd still go with USC. I think USC would be my second pick. And I'm from like in California. And I just the allure of USC was always awesome. You know, Matt Liner, Reggie Bush. They were even good with Mark Sanchez, John David Booty, incredibly fun. And you know, I kinda like some toxicity in my life. That's why I'm a Browns fan. I think the last decade of USC football kind of fits in that same vein. Yeah, I don't remember what this drill is called, but Garrett Wilson didn't drop a pass as expected. So they do the gauntlet where they run through it. Oh yeah, the gauntlet. I'm so stupid. That is, they all. When I think of gauntlet, because of just what my my what I prefer, I think of the defensive end and linebacker gauntlet. Yeah. So I forgot that there's just a million gauntlets. They're just. That used to be. I used Different, to be really yeah. good at that drill. And I was like, because I always was really, I was a possession guy. I was never a fast guy, and I could stay on the yeah. line really well. Yeah, for sure. Not so, only uh, yeah, Utah was a good one. Who's your other one? USC you was my second, second choice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was going to comment on that. Being and then from I California, I, I get a little pass there, but. I agree. I also think that college football is better when you assume it's good. I don't think that this is a conversation for another day. I don't think that uh, USC is going to win a national championship anytime soon because I think if Lincoln Riley was good enough to win a national championship, he would have done it at Oklahoma. I don't think Lincoln um, Riley is a very good coach. That's my hot take to end the show. They got worse every single year. He was that coach. He's a flash. He's a flashy guy who can get quarterbacks and wide receivers. I don't even think he's really that good of a quarterbacks coach, to be honest. <laughs> he's not a good quarterbacks coach. He's just a flashy guy. But that's the thing. That's the thing that's always interesting. I, I didn't know we were going to have this conversation, but if we want to talk about it, we can talk about it. I always tell people that uh, did Alave injure himself? Because I don't think he did the gauntlet either. Because yeah, he'd he, be the first one. Because his name starts with an O, and we're on Phillips. He I think doesn't need to do it. He, I'm be honest, he doesn't need to do anything else. <laughs> He, he hurt himself. Either. He hurt himself. I, I pulled yeah. my hamstring too after I ran a four two six. Yeah. Either way. Um, <laughs> either way. What was I saying? Um, yeah. yeah he he's, he's, never developed, he's never developed a quarterback. Baker Mayfield Everyone already was, done by the time we got there. Same with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, great and quarterback same, for him. Kyler Kyle Murray. I'd say All Kyler Murray was probably his closest to being like his developmental job because he had him for two years. But I don't think Kyler Murray was that good. Not first round pick good. Number one and overall I, pick good. I got into like an argument, and we'll talk about this after the show. But like, the Cardinals hired Cliff Kingsbury because they wanted Kyler Murray. 
Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. But I didn't think Kyler was that great. I think he's a special athlete. I think he'd do incredible things. But when it comes to actually playing quarterback, I do think Baker was the best of all the Oklahoma quarterbacks we've seen in college. And, yeah, and I said that Kyler should have chosen baseball. And yeah. I still think – I think he should quit football right now and play baseball. But whatever. Um, I will say – yeah, I don't think he's that good of a guy. I and I do not say this because he's a Ohio State guy. Um, Ryan Day is top three quarterback coach in the country, and he has actually developed guys. He developed Dwayne Haskins. He developed Justin Fields. He developed C.J. Stroud. And and if you don't want to credit him with Justin Fields, fine. You should because Fields got better and didn't start at Georgia. Yeah. But you can't say he didn't develop C.J. Stroud, who he's had from literally a baby. Uh, no disrespect, but literally I'm saying he's had him since he was a freshman out of nowhere. Yeah. So, um, there are probably other ones that just who are just as good but don't recruit as high level as Ohio State. I can't think of their names right now. Yeah, and um, like it's hard to. I think is a pretty solid guy. Oh, I, I don't give like Kiffin credit for developing quarterbacks. He's always had, yeah. He's always lame. So I don't think he's ever had the best quarterback. I don't think he's ever got the best quarterback to his room. But he's always maximized the quarterbacks he's had. Yeah. The thing with Lane is people don't think his offense translates to the NFL, which is fine if you feel that way. But developing quarterbacks for your offense he's and to be successful, arguably he's one, of the, best, one yeah. of the best, for sure. Yeah, no, but yeah, that was my hot take. Uh, but yeah, I would not root for USC with Lincoln Riley as head coach. But they would be my, they would be one of my schools if I was an Ohio State fan, for sure. But yeah. I felt like that was actually natural how we got to Lincoln Riley there. But, yeah, final thoughts today. We've got the women's college basketball tournament starting coming up. Ohio State led by J.C. Sheldon. Quite a good mix of girls coming into the tournament pretty hot. They just claimed a co-share for the Big Ten title. Do you think a basketball team at Ohio State – Specifically the women. Do you think the women can win this tournament? Because we're not experts on this, obviously, but we have a guy who's completely dedicated to covering the women's basketball team in Thomas Castillo, and he's done a great job. Uh, There's a lot of there's a lot of fan service here. We've got a lot of fun coming up with them. I think I think they can do it. They're extremely fun to watch. All they do is just score points. Um, So I'm going to say no. I predict them to get to the final and lose. Oh, that's painful. And they're going to lose to Iowa because that yeah. girl is ridiculous. That girl, Kayla like, Clark. I, I'm is. sorry. I, I'm glad you knew her name because I didn't want to respect disrespect her by calling her that girl. I just didn't know her name. Caitlin Clark is nuts. And so I think they make a run. I I, I don't know. She's going to hit a 45-foot three to like win. But I think it's a close game. I do. I think, they'll, I think they'll hold on. But I think Caitlin Clark just like goes God mode at the end. And I'm just going to say this right now. If Caitlin Clark and J.C. Sheldon play in either the semifinals or finals, I haven't looked at the bracket, but if they match up at some point, that's going to be must-see sports television. They are two of the most yeah. offensively gifted women's basketball players in the country. And they do it all. They're inside. They're outside. They're distributors. They they do everything extremely well. That is going to be one. If you're a fan of sports, you got to turn it on because they are going to put on a show. Um, who is JC Sheldon? She's our she's Ohio State's lead guard. She's, okay. she's just I, a I very similar game to Caitlin Clark, but doesn't pull up from the logo and stuff. 
Okay, I figured, but I, I everyone knows I don't watch basketball, so I, I, I didn't watch men's basketball, so I also didn't get the women's basketball. Although I am gonna watch the tournament, and I hope because if they don't, I will go on a thirty-minute rant full of uh, ex- expletives that we may not be able to put out. If they come out and they're still doing the same BS with the tournament where the women's is not equal to the men's, I will have a fit. I don't watch basketball, so I don't watch as much women's basketball. I don't. My level of support for women's basketball does not match how much I watch it. I love women's basketball. I support it. I think they should be paid, all that kind of stuff. I just don't watch it because I watch basketball at all. But if they do that BS again like they did last year, I'm going to throw a fit. Yeah, I and agree. I'm going to for like 30 straight minutes. And then we're not going to be able to put it out, and we're going to have to re-record. We'll get me, you, Matt, and Thomas on the show, and we will have a we'll – just, we'll just yell. Yeah. Then session. But yeah, I'm excited. I think when you look at teams on campus, Ohio State's got a lot of really great fun teams. But if you really just want high entertainment value, watching one of their games is definitely in that category. So make sure you check it out. Make sure you support the Buckeyes in all their tournaments. And I think that, that's it for me today. Chris Lawley ran a 426, everybody. Like, I'm excited. CO2, fast as air. You know what he like? Gas on fire. That's how fast yeah. Chris Olave is. That's a. I think you should like find get in contact with his cousin, tell him to sign to Nike and pitch that to them, and then you don't even need residuals. Just watch I, the commercial. Let me be his Spike Lee. I'll, I, I'll let me be his Spike Lee, and he'll be Jordan. I'll be Spike, and we'll make awesome commercials. Yeah, I really hate that. Like, uh, first of all, our, our guy Justin Fry. Uh, is tweeting about OSU basketball, so shout out to him. Um, you know, I love, I have this thing, and this is going to be my final thought. Are we done with women's basketball? Yeah, we're good. We're good. Okay. This is going to be my final thought. I love when programs, whether within the program or within the city, support each other. And that may sound stupid, but that just does not happen all the time. Like the football coach, like Urban didn't go to, Urban didn't really support other sports. Like Urban's a maniac for football. That's it. I love when other coaches support other coaches. Especially because it shouldn't be this way, but it is. Especially football and men's basketball coaches. Supporting the women's sports, supporting the other auxiliary sports, that kind of stuff. Because those are the money makers, those are the popular ones i think that's very important and so i really like this thing in columbus that's starting yeah. to happen now where the professional teams are supporting ohio state and vice versa the coaches are supporting each other it just feels it more creates, collaborative than it, it creates used to like be. a really good sports city environment and without having yeah. an nfl team it like really it's really fun seeing ohio state players at blue jackets games ohio state players at columbus clippers games ohio state players at crew games and vice versa where you see these teams getting like special like awareness and shout outs and in the stadium and stuff at Ohio state games. Like it's a lot of fun. There's a camaraderie to it. Yep. I mean, I think it's great. I, I will go to a hockey game if I go with someone who knows hockey and can, I, who doesn't mind me asking questions because I like watching hockey, although I'm not a hockey fan, I'm far from it. And I root for a fight, even though I know that doesn't happen all the time. I will absolutely be going to crew games because I really like soccer. And I, I had a friend that let me ask a bunch of stupid questions. So now I understand soccer decently. Yeah. I, what is the, what is the, is there still a minor league baseball team here? The Columbus Clippers. Yep. I had to ask because baseball got rid of 42 minor league teams, so I wasn't yeah, sure if they were a casualty. Sure, yeah. uh, I will probably go to their games if baseball ever starts again. 
And then there's one more team. There's soccer, there's minor league baseball, there's hockey. There's one more team, right? Am I tripping? No, there's not. There's not. Is it yeah. just, uh, it's football, soccer. It, Ohio State, baseball, hockey, soccer, hockey. minor league baseball, yeah. Yeah, I plan on like at least going to one or two games. I mean, maybe not every season, but I definitely want to support because I like sports, and yeah, sports that's one fun. of the benefits. Good vibes. Yeah, that's one of the benefits of living in Columbus versus Canton, where I grew up. Yeah, uh, you could only go to a Canton Charge game or high school football. So, that's still fun. But I think that's it for us today, guys. Uh, we talked about a lot. It was a fun show. We had a lot of fun stuff going on. Hope you guys enjoyed our combine content. Hope you guys enjoyed. In the show, leave us a rating. You guys can find me on social media at Chris Rennie CFB, and you can find the show at Buck Off Pod. Where can we find you, Jordan, before we head out? Uh, you can find me at Jordan W330. Yep, sounds and good. I, as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks.